In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What is God calling you to? And what are you waiting for? When God calls, answer. When he tells you to go, go. In this season after Pentecost, particularly this summer, uh, in the Old Testament lessons and in our preaching, uh, we'll be focusing on the Old Testament lessons. And those concern the patriarchs. They teach us of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we'll be spending the first several weeks on Abraham. And Abraham, if we have ears to hear, he's going to teach us. And this is part of what it means to cultivate communion with the saints. It's part of their ministry to teach us by examples, by their lives, what it means to follow Jesus Christ. So if we listen to the Spirit speaking through Abraham, the father of faith, we will learn. We'll learn how to trust. We'll learn how to pray. We'll learn how to obey. We'll learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. This morning we begin with the call of Abraham, which comes after the falls of mankind. And I say falls, plural, because there's not only the fall in the Garden of Eden, but the fall at the flood the fall at the Tower of Babel. So if Genesis 3, not just Genesis 3, but if Genesis 3 through 11 comprises the fall or falls of mankind, the fall of man into the bondage of sin, death, and Satan, then Genesis chapter 12 marks the definitive beginning of God's rescue mission, his rescue of mankind. Because God calls Abram to be the means, him and his family, the means by which God would rescue and redeem the world. See, here in Genesis 12, God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then in Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham, saying, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. So shall your descendants be. And then in Genesis 22, which we'll have a whole week devoted to this, right after the would-be sacrifice of Isaac, When God says to Abraham, that son whom I've given to you, miraculously in your old age, offer him unto me. Right after the would-be sacrifice of Isaac, God repeats his covenant promise, saying, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That seed through which, more precisely, 
that seed in and through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed is Christ. The descendants, numerous as the stars of the sea, are the members of the church. Think about that for a second. God promised Abraham that you would come into being as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The promise to Abraham, and this cannot be overstated, the promise to Abraham is the promise of Christ. The promise to Abraham is the promise of Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham because the ultimate rescue of mankind, the ultimate blessing to the world comes through Christ by his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. In his person and work, the victory is won over sin, death, and Satan. This is the clear teaching of the New Testament. In the Gospels, if you remember Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, at the birth of John the Baptist, he recognizes by the Spirit that his son is the forerunner to the Messiah. And he sings his song. We sing it in the daily office. The Benedictus as Domine. He says, this is what the Lord swore to our forefathers, Abraham and his descendants forever. In the book of Acts, the apostolic preaching is that the coming of Christ is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. Paul, particularly in his letters, Romans, Galatians especially, that the promise to Abraham was the promise to Christ. Paul actually says something amazing. He says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. It's the gospel that's preached to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 12. So now having given some biblical and theological and redemptive context for Abraham and his call, I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning pondering the circumstances of his call. And moreover, Abraham's response to the call so that we might better walk in faith and obedience and trust in the Lord. First, we ought to note Abraham's age. He is 75 years old when the Lord calls him. 75 years old. I mean, he's supposed to be here in Florida planning his next cruise. But he leaves everything that he knows and heads out into the unknown. In the ancient world, think about that. We'll get to this in a second. He doesn't know where he's going when he leaves. But he knows that wherever he's going, there's no Department of Tourism. There's no Chamber of Commerce. There's no infrastructure that's going to help him land softly. But he goes nevertheless. He's an old man. And we see both extremes in Scripture, don't we? We see people that are very young. Samuel, Josephus says Samuel was about 12 when the Lord spoke to him. 
You remember the story when he's in bed and he thinks the priest Eli is, is saying, hey, come do something for me. But it's the Lord speaking to him and calling and giving him words of knowledge and wisdom. Josiah, king of Judah, eight years old, God calls him to be king. Be very young. Or Abraham and Moses, 75 and 80, respectively. Here's the thing. You never know when God is going to call you to do the thing that you were created to do. You never know. So no matter how old you get, there is no retirement in the kingdom of God. You're breathing, you're called to embody the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed. And more broadly, when God calls you, we see this in the story of Abraham, when God calls you, whether it's simply to higher ground spiritually, the Spirit's pushing on your heart to grow, to step out in faith and do that which you know you ought to do, that which has been clearly revealed in Holy Scripture, that this is the way you ought to walk and live and pray as a follower of Jesus Christ. When God calls you to higher ground, or maybe God's calling you to a new area of service, or maybe God's calling you to step out in faith and obedience as an individual, as a family. The circumstances, of course there's exceptions. God can do what he wants. But most of the time, when God calls you to whatever it is, the circumstances are not going to be optimal. They're not. God's going to call you and you're going to be 50 years old with two small children. You're not going to be 25 with $500,000 in the bank. The circumstances are not going to be optimal because you know what? If they were, then faith wouldn't be requisite. It wouldn't be required. There'd be no trust. So if God calls you for example, to radical generosity. It's not going to be after you win the Powerball. It's going to be before. It's going to be before. And when God calls you, when God leads you, he's only going to tell you what you absolutely need to know. Hebrews 11.8, the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. That's nuts. That's nuts now. When we have societal infrastructure that we can move to a new place without risking our very lives. Make no mistake, when he left, his life was on the line. There was no reason to think, oh, I'll, I'll survive this. We'll do all right. He left not knowing where he was going. 
God told him the end. He said, this is what I'm calling you to. This is the goal. This is what I'm working towards. So he gave him the end and he gave him the first step. Everything in between darkness. Silence. He got step one. And that's it. He didn't get step two, step three, step four, step five. He didn't have a job lined up in Canaan. He didn't even know he was going to Canaan. Brothers and sisters, this road which we walk on, which is the blessed road, the road which leads to life. But we must understand that it is a faintly illumined path. The word is a lamp unto our feet and that's it. God doesn't give us the whole plan up front, just the next step. Over the last uh, eight years that I've been a priest, I've had the opportunity to talk with uh, not a few people who are discerning a call to the priesthood in the Anglican tradition. And oftentimes, These are ministers in another tradition. They're Baptist pastors or Presbyterian or whatever. And so people send them my way because they know that that's a part of either to encourage or discourage them. I don't know. But they know that that's a part of the Ainsley family story. And I was talking to this guy a couple weeks ago, but before I even read the lessons for today. And he's trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do it? How am I going to make this transition? And he's sharing with me legitimate concerns that anyone going through this is going to have. Well, if my current church gets wind of this, that's it for me. I'm going to be out of a job. What am I going to do for work? Where am I going to live? It's pretty expensive in Central Florida right now. And so I told him, this. The first thing to determine is, are you called? Is this what God is calling you to do? Is this something you'd like to do? You think it would be cool to do? Or is this something that you have to do, that you are compelled by the Spirit to do? And then if you don't do it, God will not give you peace. He will not let you rest. The answer is yes, then discernment becomes easy. What's the next step? Well, the new bishop said I need to be confirmed. Well, there you go. That's what you need to do. And I said to him, I said, look, I don't know you. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But you're going to have to leap before you look. Walk by faith and not by sight. So whether you're discerning your call to ministry, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Every single one of you have a ministry. That doesn't mean become a priest, God forbid. Don't do it unless God makes you do it. I'm dead serious about that. <laughs> so whether you're discerning your call to ministry or, or you're walking a path to, I'm, I don't know, you're seeking wisdom. You could be walking a path of, of healing You could be seeking discernment as a family. You could be seeking discernment in your vocation, your professional life, your job. Perhaps you're a part of a church plant beset often by existential crises. 
discern the next step. Know that you're called. If you know that you're called, discern the next step of obedience and take it immediately. Take it. We walk by faith and we walk by sight. In the craziness that is the Christian life, life in general, all that you're going to have to go on, which is more than enough, more than you'll ever need, all you're going to have to go on, all you're going to have to cling to are the promises of God. (coughs) The promises of God. Who he is and what he does. The path that we have to walk will be illumined only in as much as we need to take the next step. And I think sometimes, as frustrating as that can be, it's not what God does. Right? Israel's wandering in the wilderness. He doesn't hand them an iPhone. Here's a pen. This is where you're headed. Follow this pillar of cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. You'll know where you're going today, moment by moment. See the Lord, follow But as frustrating as it can be, perhaps it's a mercy that God keeps us in the dark. Because if he told us in our lives, in our ministries, in our callings, everything that we were going to have to do, everything that we were going to have to go through, every circumstance that we were going to have to endure, we'd never leave Ur. We'd never go. What is God calling you to? Because God has a calling on your life. God has a ministerial calling on your life. Again, that doesn't mean everyone is called to ordain ministry, but everyone is called to a ministry. And that's not just something that pastors and priests say to try to make people feel better. It's not a participation trophy. It's the truth. Because you, when you came to know Christ, you're baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit, you're incorporated into Christ. Scripture says that you were given gifts by the Spirit. God gave you a gift for the edification of the church, for the good of the world, and for the glory of God. You are uniquely equipped to do something. You have a place in God's economy that no one else has. And therefore, you are called to do something. God does not give you gifts, and in vain, He gives them to you to be used. What is it? Maybe you have a calling to works of mercy. Maybe you have a call to intercessory prayer for others. Maybe you have a call to evangelism. 
God's given you a gregarious and affable personality, a love for people. He's calling you to reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to hold them up in prayer, to share with them in word and deed what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What is God calling you to? It's important to say this, that while the journey of fulfilling God's calling on our lives may be mysterious, I mean, this is kind of a maybe nihilism pill, black pill, right? Uh, But it's true, we might not ever know our reason for being on this side of eternity. Might not know. But, so, so what God's calling us to do is calling on our lives. Called Abraham, hey, leave. What God's calling us to do might be a mystery at times. But what God's calling us to be is not. 99.9% of God's will for your life is not a mystery. We have the scriptures. We have the spirit. God's will for you is to follow his son. To become like his son. To carry around in your body the death of the Lord Jesus. To know Christ crucified and risen. God's will for you is to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. God's will for you is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. God's will for you is to cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So even if you're in a season of tumult, of uncertainty, or a season of discernment, which can actually be, for lack of a better word, fun, if the trust and faith is there. Like if you trust that God is who he says he is and has shown himself to be like forever, you know that God is leading you somewhere good because ultimately he's leading you to himself. He's the gift. It's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow gift is God himself. So even if you're in a discernment process, you're discerning a call to something, you're in a tumultuous time, you're in a confusing time, know that the sovereign hand of God is not weak. And know this too. If you focus on just being faithful, just be faithful where you're at, and God will get you where you're supposed to go. If, if, you're, if you simply answer the call of God's revealed will, like in scripture, you, you do the things you know you, I know this is God's will I'm do. If you focus on simply being faithful to God's revealed will, be faithful to what you do know, you cannot miss God's particular will for your life. It's impossible. It will not happen. 
God will get you where you're supposed to go. But when it comes to discerning God's calling on your life, and this could be, again, a call to ministry because you all have a call to ministry. Every Christian does. Uh, or a call to step out in faith in an area of your life or, again, something concerning your family. When, when you're in these, when you're trying to discern the call, you're trying to discern what that next step is in your life, whatever it may be, there's various and sundry applications for this. Don't drag out the discernment process. Don't drag it out. If you already know what to do, what you're being called to do it. Um, yes, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, but what I see people do and what I've done myself is that we'll just keep discerning. And what we're actually doing is that we know what we ought to do. We want to keep talking to people about it and keep praying. And it's actually a way that we avoid God's will in order to pursue our own. I just got to find somebody to help me discern that's going to tell me what I want to hear. That's actually cowardice and unbelief. That's the opposite of what we see in Abraham. It's the opposite of faith, trust, and obedience. What is God calling you to? And what are you waiting for? You might not be the ideal age. The circumstances may not be optimal. The path may not be illumined, but a few feet in front of you. Leave. Leave the place you're at. Leave Ur. Go into the darkness following the light of life, trusting in God and his promises. And if you do, God will radically transform your life and mightily use you to be a blessing in the church and in the world for your ultimate good and for his glory. Brothers and sisters, when God calls you, answer. When he tells you to go, go.